Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. Hoops Tonight is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. The football season is coming, and there's no better place to start making every moment more than with FanDuel. I just love using this app. It's super user-friendly and safe. They have such a deep repertoire of odds and markets for every sport, and they have same-game parlays. You guys remember the same-game parlays that Liv Moods and I were throwing out during the NBA playoffs for the volume. Those were a ton of fun. All around, it's by far the best sports gambling experience I've come into contact with. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code JasonT so they know I sent you. Again, promo code JasonT so they know I sent you. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. one 877 Hope NY or text Hope NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having a great week. It is that time of year again. We are going to do 
our player rankings. One of my favorite things to do to deal with the hoop withdrawals over the summer. We're going to get it down to the top 25 players in the NBA. I'm going to give you guys my criteria to start off. Then I'm going to go over some of the guys that missed the cut and why. And then today we will be doing number 25 through number 21. So before we get started, you guys know the drill. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you guys don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements or any other uh, video content that I produce. And then last but not least, if you miss some portion of the show and you can't get back to YouTube, but you're driving around town or something, you can always find these in audio form on our podcast feeds shortly after they go up on YouTube. So you can find that under Hoops Tonight wherever you find your podcast. All right, so this kind of thing is entirely subjective. So before we get started, don't get emotional about anything. If you disagree about anything, just drop it in the comments. I'd love to hear it. All of these guys are extremely close to each other because the league is at a in a in a era where there is more talent than we've ever seen in the game of basketball. The gap between the 25th best player and the seventh best player is tiny. And on any given night, any of those guys can outplay each other. So if I have a guy ranked lower than you thought, tell me why you disagree. Don't get all emotional and upset. Because that's the one thing that gets kind of frustrating with these lists is just how everyone thinks they've got it all figured out. And the truth of the matter is none of us do. And we're all just doing our best to guess. And all of these guys are incredibly good. And we're just splitting hairs. So my criteria, it's not a hard or fast rule because... Every player is different, right? Like, you know, Steph's role on a team doesn't resemble Jokic's role on a team or Embiid's role on a team. So you can't apply the same criteria uniformly across the board. But there are general things that I value that will lead to some of these decisions. So I wanted to lay those out. First of all, size is something that I value to a great degree in basketball. Steph is the exception to this rule. I, spoiler alert, I have Steph very high on my list, okay? But he's the one short guy up there. And he's not even that short. He's six foot three and he's pretty stocky and strong. But the main reason why is everything on a basketball court is easier when you're bigger, especially if you can move your feet. Covering ground on the perimeter and rotations, skying for rebounds, being able to hold position in box outs or in post ups, dealing with the physicality. That's arguably the biggest reason why I value size in the NBA. Think of it like this, guys. We're going to be watching, I don't know, October 17th or 16th or whatever it is, a season opening basketball game, probably on you know one of the major networks. It'll probably involve the Warriors and someone else, right? When that happens, we'll be watching and we'll probably be complaining about the reps and how ticky-tack they are with their whistle, right? And it might be a topic of conversation through a good chunk of the season, but make no mistake, come June, there will be two teams in a complete and total bloodbath. It happens every single year. The playoffs are extremely different from the regular season. And in that environment, size and strength does matter. Steph is just so exceptionally talented that he's a top 10 player in NBA history in spite of the fact that he doesn't have a great set of physical tools. That playoff translatability is another huge part of this. The game just is different at that level. It's not just the physicality, it's the scheming. It's the level of defensive attention thrown to the stars, adding a great deal of value towards playmaking, which we'll get to in a minute. That ability to translate to the playoffs, that's something that I'm going to value heavily on this list. If you've got a player that's a dominant regular season player, but he doesn't play as well in the playoffs or he doesn't get there, I'm going to have him lower on my list. Availability is a big thing. Being available to your team. Don't have to dive any further into that. 
Defensive versatility. It's a huge difference between the ability to defend in one role and the ability to defend in multiple roles. That is a huge deal in the playoffs when scheming becomes a, a, a bigger role and switching becomes a bigger role. You're not just going to get to park under the basket and block shots. You're not just going to get to guard little guards or guard big forwards. You're going to have to guard both, and you're probably going to have to cover a lot of ground in rotation. So defensive versatility is going to matter a lot to me. And then last but not least... The two big offensive skills that I value are playmaking and three-level scoring. The reason why is, well, let's start with three-level scoring. With the way that NBA teams guard, you know, all these offenses, because of analytics, are heading towards rim attempts and three-point attempts. Why? Because the rim is the most efficient shot in basketball, and the three-point shot is the second most efficient shot in basketball when you account for shot value. But because of that, over the last few years, almost every defense in the league has leaned heavily in towards in towards prioritizing the three-point line and the free throw in the in the basket, right? They will chaotically chase guys off the three-point line to give up a driving lane, knowing that they have a rotation set up at the rim and they can make up for it on the back end. They will leave a massive opening in the middle of the floor to take away those threes and to take away the basket. That's why three-level scoring is so important. The guys that are comfortable stopping short after running off the three-point line to knock down a mid-range jump shot, to knock down a floater, to score in the mid-range, those sorts of things, that skill becomes immensely important in the postseason when you start playing teams that are scheming away all of the analytically, you know, the shots that the analytics department wants you to take. So I do value three-level scoring a great deal because of that. I do value playmaking a little bit more than three-level scoring, though. And the main reason for that is the way that teams guard superstars in the playoffs. You saw this a lot with Jason Tatum as the, as the games went along uh, in, the, in this particular playoff run. You saw it with Kevin Durant with the way Boston was guarding people. You see it all over the league. But teams throw the kitchen sink at the stars. They pack the paint. They send doubles and stunts. And they dare your role players to make shots. So having players that are great at making those reads when the defense is overplaying them, that I would say is arguably the most important skill on the offensive end of the floor in the NBA. So again, really quickly, I value size, what translates to the playoffs, being available to your team, versatility on defense rather than one elite defensive skill, and three-level scoring and playmaking with a slight edge towards playmaking. That's my criteria. So for this top 25, I started by just trying to come up with a list of players that I thought were in the running, and I ended up coming up with 29 players. So that means that there are four players that missed the cut. That's Chris Paul, Bradley Beal, Trey Young, and Zach Levine. I wanted to give a really quick breakdown of why I did not include those guys in this list. So for CP3, we just had back-to-back playoff runs where he fell apart physically. You know, and that just needs to be planned on moving forward. Over the last five games of that Dallas series, he averaged nine points, six assists, and four turnovers. Very unlike anything that we've seen from the Chris Paul era. As we heard after the series, he apparently had some sort of quad strain. When healthy, he's a top 15 player. I think that goes without saying. His unique combination of scoring ability and pick and roll and his ability to pass the basketball puts him in that list. But he's just never healthy when it matters the most. It happened to him again the year before in the NBA Finals when he fell apart over the last four games. So as much as I value CP3 and what he does when he's healthy, his lack of availability, at least the peak version of himself, drops him out of this list for me. And I think I I just don't see a universe where he's more impactful on the biggest stages than the 25 guys that are ahead of him. Bradley Beal. Injuries obviously are a big role there. He uh, has constantly been dealing with things on that front. And then lastly, 
it's just hard to evaluate Bradley Beal when he's never in a high stake environment anymore. And so again, like when I'm talking about how I value things that translate to the playoffs and I just don't get to see Bradley Beal in the playoffs, I'm just naturally going to fall back in the, he's just naturally going to fall back on my list. He has a very elite he has a, a, a he has an elite skill that I value a great deal, which is the ability to score the basketball at all three levels like I talked about earlier, but again, it's just hard for me to translate that to uh, compare him to guys that are fighting and scratching and clawing deep into the playoffs every single year. So I, I left him out of my list. Trey Young, uh, he averaged 15 points on 32% from the field and 18% from three against Miami. He had an eight-point game, a nine-point game, and an 11-point game. Against Milwaukee and Philly in the previous playoff run, he averaged 28, but it was on 40% from the field, 30% from three, and he averaged five turnovers a game. So against the top, top, top tier defenses, the elite, super athletic defenses, he really struggles. And one of the things teams are figuring out is he's actually a little bit easy to guard because of how predictable he is. He comes off a high pick and roll, and if you drop underneath, he's going to pull up the three. So nobody does that. They chase him over the top. What he used to do is try to back up into you and draw fouls by falling backwards, but the refs removed that from his game. Teams have figured out that he struggles to finish over size underneath the basket. He only shot 30% in the restricted area against Miami, and he only shot 55% from the restricted area in the 2021 playoffs. The the, uh, 55% as a point of reference to you guys, that's about what Russell Westbrook shot in the restricted area this year for the Lakers. So it's really, really bad. So they understand now that if you stay glued to him over the top of those screens and take away those floaters and short-range shots and funnel him to the basket, he won't be able to score at the rim. And so it's kind of like a weakness of his that's been exposed. He's going to have to become a better rim finisher for him to reach his eventual ceiling, whatever that ends up being. But for the time being, I have him outside of my top 25. Uh, and then last but not least, Zach Levine. So in the, in his first playoff series, he averaged 19 points per game on 50% effective field goal percentage, which is really not great. Um, he just needs to adjust to the playoffs. He needs to adjust to the different type of separation that you need to get, scoring over physicality that's not present in the playoffs. And then most importantly, he's got the athleticism to be a more impactful defensive player. That's where he's going to have to improve. Not an insult to any of these guys. Again, these were the 29 players that I picked that could be in the top 25. These guys just barely missed the cut. But again, the gap between Bradley Beal and, you know, the 12th or 13th best player in the league is very small. That's just the, that's just the predicament that our league is in. All right. Number 25, Carl Towns. In the regular season, he averaged 25, 10, and 4 on 64% true shooting. That's amazing. And in the playoffs, he averaged 22, 11, and 2 on 62% true shooting. That's really damn good. He's one of the best scoring bigs that we have in the game. An excellent face-up player. If he gets the ball with a with a uh, with a live dribble triple threat, you know, excuse me, not a live dribble, with a triple threat on the wing against a slow-footed big, he's either going to jab step and pull up a three, or he's going to rip through and go all the way to the rim and finish. He's extremely difficult to handle in those spots on the floor. His ability to be efficient from the perimeter, one of the best perimeter shooting bigs that we have in the league, that'll make him a really interesting fit next to Gobert because he's going to have to spend a great deal of his time on the perimeter to allow Gobert to operate as someone who can screen and dive to the rim or sit in the dunker spot. But his defensive shortcomings, you know, last year they got hidden to a certain extent because Minnesota's perimeter defense was so great, but he's actually pretty bad as a as a uh, rim protector and then as you slide Gobert into that role yeah that'll fulfill that role but with 
Carl Towns is the four next to Gobert. He's going to have to guard more in space. He's going to have to guard quicker players, potentially some wings. He's going to have to do a lot more in rotation. You can't slide Gobert into that role to guard the wings because that defeats the purpose of the trade to begin with. You want Gobert on the back line to help you protect the rim. So they're going to have to put um, Carl Towns into that specific role. And I think his defensive shortcomings will become even more glaring at that point. And then his last big weakness that I wanted to point out, just inconsistency. You guys remember that awful play-in game he had with all the foul trouble, and then he had an eight-point game in the first round. He just he struggles he struggles with self-control. You know, like some of the fouls that he was committing when he was in foul trouble in the playoffs. It's like, dude, where is your head at? You're just not paying attention to what's happening on the floor. You've got four fouls middle of the third quarter, and you, your team misses a shot, and you're just raking across a dude's arms for no particular reason. It's an easy foul call, and now you've got to go to the bench before the end of the third quarter. like That, that kind of stuff, is, it, just, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Shot selection can get a little rough from time to time. You know, the question with Carl Towns, when you look at those numbers, again, 22-11-2 on 62% true shooting, that's, a, that's an incredible statistical achievement. But the question is, is he a winner or is he a good stats, bad team guy? Good stats, bad team guy is a real thing. I explained this to you guys when we did our when, when I did my whole college uh, basketball resume thing. Like when I averaged almost 16 points a game, our team was terrible. And then when I played on a good team, my scoring went way down because I was trying to score within a winning concept. It's a completely different idea, right? And that's going to be the thing for Carl Towns moving forward. It's going to be better for him to be at about 20 points per game efficiently but functionally uh, doing really well on the defensive end of the floor, being a dominant physical presence on the interior as a rebounder, and you know, uh, getting better with his decision-making and his self-control. Tying all those ends off is way more important than him being you know, a 30-point-per-game guy uh, that, that can efficiently score in the postseason. We already know he can do all of that stuff. He's got to tie off the other areas of his game, the winning elements of his game, to no longer be a good stats-bad team guy. Right now, that's what he is. But I do believe he's capable of becoming a winner and hopefully getting al- alongside Rudy Gobert and playing in some more high-stakes environments. Like, if they stay healthy, they're going to make the playoffs. So Carl Towns will get more opportunities to show us that he's no longer a good stats-bad team guy. He just has to prove it. Number 24, Donovan Mitchell. Regular season, 26-4-5 and five on 57% true shooting. In the postseason this year, kind of rough. 26-4-6, and six, 40% from the field and 20% from three. Not great. Um, But to zoom out a little bit, over his last three playoff runs, he's averaging 32-5-5 on 61% true shooting. He's as good of a playoff scorer as we've seen in the last few years. In those three playoff runs, he's attempting 10 threes per game and shooting 41% on them. That's as good of a volume three-point shooter as you'll see around the league right now. So why is it that he's so low on this list despite those things that I just said? Well, he's kind of like at a crossroads right now. This crossroads is, is he going to become the next Russell Westbrook? Or is he going to become the next Dwayne Wade? Now, obviously those are two absurd examples. Donovan Mitchell will never be Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. You know, and Russell Westbrook is, I'm just talking in terms of the archetype. Is he going to be the big athletic guard that embraces the things that makes him a winner? Or is he going to be the big athletic guard that becomes a guy who fills the stat sheet, but it just never materializes into winning basketball? We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. 
It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home services marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, Come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. It's something that I've always been a big believer in. When Usually when you try to take on a project that you don't know how to do, it ends up just being a bigger headache as you try to learn and then you end up making mistakes and it ends up just not being worth it. Not only can a professional get the job done more efficiently, but you're also supporting local businesses in your area. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job is done well. With 29 years of experience, combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects easy. Angie has cost guides to tell you what others have paid for similar projects both nationally and in your area. The app is free and easy to use. We all know the difficulties that can come with home projects. Angie makes tackling your project as simple as possible from start to finish. Turn to Angie with confidence, even for major renovations or emergency repairs. Are you renting? Even renters can come to Angie for moving installations and cleaning. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. And that, that will come down to his ability to manage the game. We talk about this a lot on this show, but game management was a huge issue with the Boston Celtics as we got deeper into that playoff run. It's essentially understanding the value of the 100 possessions over the value of the one possession. Donovan Mitchell kind of gets uh, uh, reactionary with the way he plays offense, like calls for a high ball screen. And if the guy goes underneath, he's just pulling every single time. And if the guy chases him over the top, he's just going downhill every single time. And if he absolutely has to get rid of the basketball, he will. But he doesn't unless he absolutely has to. You know, and from, and from that standpoint, him figuring out that it's not his job to create shots for himself 30 times a game. It's his job to create shots for his team 60, 70 times per game. When he establishes that as his approach to the game, he'll start coming off of those ball screens, not just thinking about whether or not he's open, but thinking about whether or not, you know, player A is in a rhythm, you know, depending on where he gets traded. <laughs> player B is in a rhythm. How's play- player C is hot. I need to keep feeding him. You know, like, you know, my big man, he's starting to get a little worn out and he hasn't gotten any touches. So maybe we need to get a post touch here. You know, like understanding the runs of the game. Like, okay, the other team's on an 8-0 run. Me taking a pull-up three, even though I know I can make it, 
it's a lower percentage shot. Now's a great time to try to force a great look close to the basket so that we can stop this run. Because if I miss this pull-up three, it's even more deflating for my team. Him figuring out those things, those game management details, that's going to be step one to him going the Dwayne Wade route rather than the Russell Westbrook route. And then the second part of it is the defensive end of the floor. When he was in college, he was a great defensive player. But he's almost completely let go of the rope there. His defensive effort against the Utah Jazz, uh, excuse me, against the uh, Dallas Mavericks in this year's playoff run was downright embarrassing. So if he doesn't learn to embrace that end of the floor again, like the way Dwayne Wade did, and like the way Russell Westbrook did not, then he will go the Russell Westbrook route. So those are the two things to look at. Game management and commitment to the defensive end of the floor. If he can capture those two specific skills and and uh, and develop them and dive into them in terms of his approach, he will go closer to the Dwayne Wade route. If he doesn't, he'll be the next Russell Westbrook, the next guy that puts up massive numbers and is constantly in the All-Star game and constantly on all NBA teams and his team flames out in the first round of the playoffs. Number 23, Pascal Siakam. So, in the regular season, 23-9 and 5 on 57% true shooting. In the playoffs, 23-7 and 6 on 56% true shooting. Nice little uh, consistency there. He's your classic two-way slashing wing that can play make a little bit, right? Like, we see so many of these guys in the league, you know, Tatum, KD, Kawhi, those kinds of things, where it's like they can play make, but they're not great at it. Their best ability is just to score from the wing as a slasher or as a, as a guy who can put the ball in the basket off the dribble as a jump shooter, right? So what's the difference between him and those guys? Why is he 23rd and all those other guys I mentioned are top 10 players in the league? Well, he... He has the ability to shoot the basketball. He's not a bad shooter, but he's a very streaky shooter, and he quickly loses confidence in his jump shot, and you can see it in his body language. So, And this is a phenomenon I've seen with a lot of basketball players over the year. I personally had this, phenom- this weakness when I was, when I was uh, younger, when I was playing in college. Like, when I had it going, like, man, it felt good every time it came off the hand. But I missed a couple, and then like, I got shaky because I didn't have like, really good solid fundamentals to fall back on in terms of my shooting form, right? And so I had tendencies to go through long extended slumps where I couldn't shoot or, or couldn't make a shot. or And then that would make me easy to guard because then teams could play off of me and they'd let me shoot and I'd miss or I'd drive into traffic and not have much success, right? That's kind of what I see happen with Pascal Siakam a lot. And you saw this against the Sixers. Once they started playing off of him and he missed a couple jumpers, you'd see him like take a pull up, 18 footer and miss the hell out of it like long and right and just carrying off the rim and it's just it's almost like a and the entire arena kind of like has an awkward moment and you can tell it just the confidence slips away from him and then he becomes really one-dimensional as a slasher he really wants to drive left and then pound the basketball with his left hand and spin back to his right and finish at the rim so if I don't have to guard him on the perimeter because he's in his head about his jump shot and I could sit on that left-handed drive and be ready for the spin back to the right I can contain him and that's what causes him to be less efficient and to not hit the scoring numbers that some of his peers can around the league if he gets consistent with the jump shot you know, I, I say this all the time on the show. My my high school coach it played professionally in Italy for like seven years. The one that I uh, I'm an assistant coach with, um, he talks about how there's the shooters and there's makers, and everyone's a shooter, but who's a maker? The, the makers they never get in their head about when they're missing. They always feel like the next one's going in. They never lose confidence. If Siakam can get to that level, that's where you'll see 23 points per game become 28 points per game because of the consistent success with the jump shot, which will open up his slashing opportunities and make him so much harder to guard. 
Number 22, Chris Middleton. 25 and 5 on 58% true shooting in this regular season, and then he was hurt in the playoffs. He only played, uh, I think, one and a half games. Classic three-level scorers. Very his specific uh, skill is when he can get smaller defenders on him. He's really good at working them down to five to fifteen feet and making you know pull-up uh, mid-range jump shots, turnaround jump shots over both shoulders, hook shots and push shots in the lane. He's your classic mismatch attacking wing. He's got every single pull-up jumper in the book. Um, side steps, step backs, turnovers over his left shoulder, turn, uh, turnarounds over his right shoulders. Uh, um, you know, uh, uh, drifting shots in the lane, one leg fadeaways. He's got it all. Right. Uh, he even has one of the best transition pull up jump shots that I've seen in basketball. You guys, all you Bucks fans have seen this where, you know, the Bucks are on a little bit of a run. They're up, you know, 7 0 run and they get a stop. And Middleton just will dribble the ball up the floor with some pace and then just stop at the three point line and rise up and knock it down. It's kind of a unique skill that he has. Only a handful of guys in the league do that really well. Kevin Durant's another guy who's excellent at that specific skill. Um, but, you know, just just a really, really talented three-level scorer. The specific things that hold him back, once again, the things that keep him down here in 22 as opposed to much higher on the list, is he's inconsistent. You guys remember this from the title run. It was like either he was magnificent and damn near saving the team or he was like a complete no-show. And, and those are the things that he has to iron out. I think that's confidence stuff for him. He just doesn't quite have that. You, uh, he almost needs to have that irrational confidence to where he feels like he has it every night. Um He's not quite the defensive player that Pascal Siakam is, but it's close. So that's why I have him above him there because he's a much better offensive player. The big question here that uh, that that I wanted to um, uh, to kind of approach for some fun is: Chris Middleton over or underrated due to his proximity to Giannis? We hear about this specific topic a lot. You'll have people who dislike Giannis who will talk about how Chris Middleton's the best player on the team, right? Which is absurd. And then you'll have Giannis fans who will say somewhat of the opposite, right? I tend to think that he's properly rated in the sense that he's not a superstar. He's not a guy that is better than Giannis or at that level, but he is underrated in the way that he specifically complements Giannis's skill set. I think Giannis is the best player in basketball. Spoiler alert, we'll get there in the end. You guys, it's not even a spoiler. I've said it on like a half dozen shows over the last couple months. Um, but... Giannis has all of these tremendously elite skills, but he has one specific weakness. When the when you're in a half-court set and the team really packs the paint, he struggles to shoot over the top, okay? Chris Middleton has that skill down to a T. That's his greatest strength. So Chris Middleton's best strength complements Giannis's best weakness, therefore making him immensely valuable. Like I talked about earlier, specifically that skill set, punishing smaller defenders to score in the mid to short range is one of the most uh, valuable skills in the game of basketball. So the way I look at it, Chris Middleton is properly rated, a player that deserves the recognition that he gets, and it's just crazy people on both sides that are talking on either end. Just think of it this way, guys. Look, Game 7 um, uh, against the Brooklyn Nets, it was Chris Middleton who hit the big shot, right? Against, uh, I think it was Game 1 against Miami last year when they swept him. In that crazy first game, it was Chris Middleton who hit the big shot that closed the deal. That specific skill is so immensely valuable to Milwaukee because they're so great everywhere else, and they just need someone that can make shots over the top, and Chris Middleton does that for them. All right, last but not least, number 21, Anthony Edwards. So he averaged 21-5-4 on 56% true shooting in the regular season. 
25-4-3 on 60% true shooting in the postseason. That's incredible. So going up from 21 to 25 points per game and going up from 56 to 60% true shooting. Why does that happen? Why does his game translate so well to the playoffs? And again, I know that's only one playoff series, but that was against a very good Memphis defense, and I believe that is replicable. I believe he will continue to do that over the years. So why is that? It's size and strength. The very first thing that I pointed out in our criteria at the top of the show, his ability to slash past anybody because he's six foot five or six foot six, whatever he is, built like a truck, ridiculous first step. And if you get in front of him, he'll just bully ball you to go through you. He's almost like a miniature LeBron in, in that sense. That combination of size and strength and first step makes him a devastating physical a, a, phys- a, a, de- a devastating physical specimen to deal with defensively. Then you combine that with the fact that he's already, at this age, a proficient pull-up jump shooter. You guys probably remember me talking about this a lot during the postseason. He shot eight pull-up jump shots per game in this playoff run and made 42% of them. That's, that's awesome. That, 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 is, that is incredibly efficient pull-up jump shooting. That combination of efficient pull-up jump shooting with his size and strength and slashing ability will make him a devastating playoff player for years to come. I'm very, very high on Anthony Edwards. That's why I have him at 21, even though he's only played two NBA seasons. A couple of things. What, what, what is it going to take for Anthony Edwards to take the leap? Well, first of all, he only had three assists per game in the playoffs. So some of the similar stuff that I was talking about with Donovan Mitchell, learning game management, understanding that it's not your job just to create shots for yourself, but it's your job to be the offensive engine for a basketball team for 48 minutes. When he understands that, he'll start coming off of these actions and and looking for teammates and being mindful of the rhythm and, and all those things that I talked about earlier with Donovan Mitchell. Him taking advantage of game management and then committing to the defensive end of the floor he doesn't have long to go, guys. I, I think Anthony Edwards could very easily be a top 10 player in the league this year if things break right. If not, it'll happen in the next two or three years. I, I'm, extremely, I'm extremely high on Anthony Edwards. All right, 25 through 21, all wrapped up. I believe uh, on Thursday we will have 20 through 16, and that one is going to be a super entertaining one because I definitely have some ones in there that you guys will either agree with or disagree with vehemently, so it should be some fun. All right, guys, that's all I have for today. I appreciate your support as always, and I'll see you in a couple of days. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.